Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who played 17 seasons in the NHL for the Philadelphia Flyers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Calgary Flames, Washington Capitals, and New York Islanders. He served as a national team scout hired by Doug Armstrong for Team Canada's 2016 World Cup of Hockey team. On November 19, 2018, the St. Louis Blues fired head coach Mike Yo and named him the interim coach for the rest of the season. And what a season it it would be. It is a pleasure to welcome the head coach of the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Coach. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It's our pleasure. And when you hear those words, head coach of the Stanley Cup champions, followed by your name, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? I mean, obviously, obviously, very you know pleased and happy you know with the accomplishment that our team you know. You know, winning the cup—it's—it's it's a big thing, you know, and it's a big deal. Obviously, it's a lot of, a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of effort and uh, team play. You know, it makes me feel good that our team really, you know, came together and uh, played for each other and did a good job there. So, I'm pretty proud of those guys. That's interesting because if you go back and you look at your playing career, you played for 15 head coaches in your career. Mike Keenan, Paul Holmgren, Tom Watt, Doug Riseborough, uh, Guy Sharon, Dave King, Terry Murray, Jim Schoenfeld, Ron Wilson, Roger Nielsen, Butch Goring, Lorne Henning, Greg Gilbert, Al McNeil, uh, Daryl Sutter, Sutter among them. During the run to the Cup, was one of, were you, did you feel yourself channeling one of your former coaches doing things that he might have done during your playing days? Well, I don't think you look at it that way. I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, there's obviously things that you learn from coaches over your time and things they've done that you, you might use. But I think more importantly, it's just in contact with other coaches that uh, I'm pretty close with in the NHL, that coach, you know, they're, they're, asking them for advice and things like that or you know they might reach out to you and say oh look this is what i'm seeing so you use all your old coaches at certain times with certain things they've done and learned from them so but i think in the end you you coach the way you want to coach and uh you be yourself is the most important thing we had Mercury Morris on the show last week, and he talked about the 1971 Super Bowl loss and how that fueled the 72 team. In doing my book on the 1979 Rangers with Howie Carpin, to a man, every single Ranger that lost to the Canadians felt that it was a wasted opportunity, and so many of them never got back that opportunity again. How much did you draw on your 97-98 run to the Cup Final, ending in that four-game sweep at the hand of the Red Wings? Well, I think the one thing that I learned from that series is that when we got there, we were satisfied, in my opinion, as a team um, against the Red Wings. I don't believe that we were hungry enough going into that uh, finals. Uh, you know, you got to be careful. It's one thing to get to the Stanley Cup finals, but you got to be you got to be hungrier, even more hungrier than you were to win it. It's tough because that team you're playing, I can guarantee you. They're hungry and they're ready to go. So I don't. I didn't feel maybe we were hungry enough at that time uh, when we were 97, 98 against Detroit. They had they had experience. Obviously, uh, they knew how to win, and we did. And um, that's that was a difference. And uh, going into this series against Boston, yeah, 
they had more experience. They had guys that knew how to win. They won cups. So I think it was important that we really dialed our team in and uh, made them understand how hard we had to play and how disciplined we had to be. It's interesting because the Blues started out the season 7-9-3, and three, two games under the, the 500 mark. That early in the season usually is not cause for firing. However, it came on the heels of, of a non-playoff year the season before. You're an assistant coach, so obviously you, you worked with the head coach. How difficult is that transition, and what, when that happens, what's your immediate goal? Well, I mean, it's tough when you're working with somebody as a friend and you see a colleague and uh, a friend of yours getting fired like that. It's not an easy situation. But at the same time, you know, I was asked to do a job and, you know, I, that's what I had to go about. So I think first and foremost when I took over is just getting everybody dialed in and um, understanding the situation. And we, could, we, can't, we couldn't look back. You know what I mean? That was over with. Things happened. We've got to look forward and really took the approach of um, talking about today and the next game, and that was it. And that's kind of the approach we took. It took a little time to instill that in the players, but once we got that mentality, I think we got on a roll and that, you know, carried it on forward. We're speaking with the head coach of the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, here on Sports Talk New York. Things didn't click right away. As the Blues struggled at first, going 8-9-1, at that point, leaving you guys last in the league standings as 2018 turned to 2019. The team rallies improved throughout the remainder of the season, going 30-10-5, including a franchise record 11-game winning streak to make the playoffs. What were some of the, the keys to that turnaround in your, through your eyes? Well, getting everybody you know, to really play for each other and put the team first. Once we started to do that, and once they started to do that, we started to see results. Uh, we weren't getting enough wins, uh, but we started to see good hockey and uh, the results were coming, but the wins weren't quite coming quick enough until Bennington got in there. And once he got in there, that really boosted our team's confidence because they saw a goalie that played aggressive, uh, you know, really went out and just challenged and, and had a real good mindset. Our team really fed off that, gave our team confidence, and you know, we got on a roll and just kept going, and they never stopped. You know, I think our guys did a good job of staying focused throughout the whole time. So even we were in the playoffs, they still were focused. But I thought that they were dialed into a lot more. They, they knew they could win. And that's, that's a big key. They knew that it would be difficult, but they, they knew they had a chance. And that's all you want. You want to give yourself a chance. And we did. And uh, give yourself a chance in the playoffs to get in there. You have a chance to win. It's so interesting that you mentioned Jordan Bingington because I'm sure no one in St. Louis got overly excited when they saw it on the transaction wire on December 9th when they recalled him. He got into two games as a backup. Then January 7th, he made his NHL his first NHL start, made 25 saves, 3-0 win over the Flyers, uh, became the 35th NHL goaltender to earn a shutout in his first start. At what point? Did you see that he had the potential to achieve what others had saw him way back when he was ranked as the OHL's top 2011 NHL entry draft eligible goaltender? Uh, the last couple of years in the minors, he had real good seasons. Like, I mean, really good. So, you know, we all knew he was a good goalie and he's starting to really come around and, and live up to his potential when he was drafted. So, uh, when he came in, we knew that, you know, he's had real two good, real good seasons down in the minors. So, we got him in there. I mean, yeah, he gets on a roll for a while, but uh, I don't know if there's one, you know, one game or one point where we thought, wow, oh, this guy's the real deal. I just think that he was just 
mentally in such a good spot if you lost the game or you had a bad game, you let some bad goals into the game. He was really good about just moving on from it. And I mean, whether it was in-game, next game, or whatever. So that gave us a lot of confidence in him mentally. You know, he has the ability in that for sure. Uh, we like the way he plays, but it was the mental side of it that really probably gave us that confidence. You know, sometimes when you get a team that replaces their coach, their manager, and they don't get off to a good start right after that, as happened here, management says, well, maybe it's time to look at what we have and start thinking next year. Was there ever any point at which you sat down with the front office and said, let's think, and they said, let's think about next year, or whatever happened in the conversation, say, no, let's see what we have, we think we can turn it around? Well, there's always conversations about <clears throat> lots of things throughout the whole time. I mean, about certain players, individuals, do we need more young guys? Uh, do we move on from this guy or that guy? And, you know, you just, you got to just, um, you know, you talk about things. And I think Doug did a great job of not really doing a whole lot. Like, he, like I said, in December, he saw us playing real good hockey. And we weren't getting the wins, but he saw us playing real good hockey. And I think that was a big key of keeping the team together. Um, and again, going forward, once Bennington went in there, that really boosted our confidence as a team. And uh, he did a good job of going out and keeping us in games and giving us an opportunity to win games. And that's what happened. You know, again, you mentioned Bennington. And it should be noted that his first win also coincided with another key factor in the season. As the game before that start, St. Louis traveled from a home loss to the Islanders, went on the road to Philly. A few of your players were in a Philadelphia bar watching the National Football League uh, playoff game when the DJ started playing the 1982 Laura Brannigan song, Gloria. And according to defenseman Joel Edmondson, the one guy looked at the DJ and said, keep playing Gloria, and they kept on playing it all night long. Um, that became a rallying cry for the Blues, and you guys would play that after every win. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but I know that the Panthers once rallied around the Rats, um, you know, and other teams have had good luck charms. How important things? How important are things like that to keeping a team loose? And were you surprised how much the city rallied around it, including KYKY, which played it for 24 hours straight after serious victories in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it's something the players, that's, that's all the players. Like, you know, they, they find things or they have certain things that they do after wins in the locker room, whether they give something out or, you know, something's done. And, you know, they went to that, uh, watched uh, like the Eagles and Bears that night were in a playoff game and they're watching that. And, you know, that's, things happen. That's, you know, they find things and, and uh, they like the song and they like what was going on and they used it. So, I mean, it's going to take off because of what the team accomplished on the on the ice. That's why the song became so popular, and, um, and like you said, people love it and play it. it was, it's because of the performance on the ice that that drives everything. We look at all these different championship seasons, and obviously, so many things have to fall into place and go just right. You look back at it, and just to get through a round, let alone you know to win a cup, just everything has to fall right. Your first round playoff matchup against the Jets went six games. Five of those six games were decided by one goal. As a coach, when you're in the playoffs, what's the mindset? So, what percent is motivation? What percent is strategy? Because you know it's round after round. Do you have a lot of time to strategize? And, and, you know, what's the mix there? Well, you, you, you break a team down. When you're in the playoffs, you really have the opportunity in our league to really break a team down 
and really dial things in. Um, during a season that's tough, you, play, you have so many games and you play so much. It's not easy to do that. So we really break down a team. And, you know, after each game, we really focus on breaking them down even more. Um, of what we can do a little bit better, we'll, you know, figure out some of their weaknesses, what's their strengths, things like that. Listen, the NHL is a tight league. There's so much parity um, throughout the whole league that you're going to have a lot of one-goal games. That's just the way it is. It's a tight league. So our players, they motivate themselves for, for the most part. I mean, during the, during the Stanley Cup playoffs, they're a motivated group for sure. You don't really have to do a lot of motivation. I mean, what you got to do is you got to keep people focused more than anything. Your players got to stay focused. They got to stay in the moment. They got to worry about the next game and today. That's it. You can't worry about what happened. As a coach, that's your job. The second round, as well as the finals, went seven games. You've played in game sevens, and you've coached in game sevens. Which was more stressful for you, playing or coaching? <laughs> coaching, for sure. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's even close. Uh, you just you don't have a lot of control. Uh, you know, we dominated that game seven and barely won. Yeah. <laughs> went into double overtime. But this goes to show you, you know, Bishop played really well um, for three periods. And it's a tie game. Now you're going in overtime. <laughs> and as a coach, you understand one little play, one shot could be over. And, and, it, and your team played well. You know, I, I love the way we're playing that game. We're doing a great job. We, we're shooting pucks and attacking, but we just couldn't get anything by him. He played great. Is there anything that you do differently as a coach, knowing it's a sudden death game and you know, one mistake could cost you not only the game but the series? Well, you don't want your team to go out so tight they can't play. Uh, I think you got to understand that all these players have dreamt about them situations, game seven, scoring a big goal and all that. You just got to remind them of that. Listen, you got to go and play. It's okay to be nervous. A couple shifts in, you're going to be fine, and then you just go play hockey. That's it. It really doesn't change that much. So, so what's the difficulty level for you? Because you, you did say that it's more stressful for you to be the coach than a, a player. How do you mask that stress on the bench a, a, to give that sense of calm to the players and, and to keep them relaxed? Well, I enjoy coaching. I mean, listen, that's, that's what I like to do. So it's not that I'm so stressed out I can't do my job or, or enjoy my job. Listen, I, I'm watching the game. I'm, I'm coaching. I'm changing lines. I'm busy uh, looking at things, uh, thinking about what we can do better or different. So <laughs> you don't really have time to be stressed out, but it is more stressful to sit there and, and not be able to do anything about the game on the ice. You know what I mean by that? You can't yeah. go out and play. <laughs> um, you got to just rely on your players and trust your players to do the job. So it's obviously not the Chicago Cubs or Boston Red Sox type drought, but on June 12, 2019, when your Blues defeated the, the Bruins in seven games to win the first Stanley Cup title in franchise history, up until that moment, the Blues were the oldest franchise to have never won a Stanley Cup. Does being the coach that was able to accomplish that add you know, an extra layer of pride to that accomplishment? Oh, for sure. I think you know, uh, being part of that part of the team uh, that, uh, you know, puts the first cup up in a city like that. It's, uh, you know, a lot of pride. 
feel really good for the people, the fans, the city itself, and again, your players. You know, your players are the ones that go and do the job and win you the game. And they did. A, they're very proud of those guys. They they played hard and they played for each other. How did you spend your day with the cup? Well, I, I had it a couple times. I brought it back to my hometown up in Canada the first time, and just I, I belong to a very tiny town, small. And just uh, had all the people out to see the cup, take a picture with it. And I just had a little private event up where I grew up with friends and family. Really good time. And then in Philly, um, kind of the same. I, uh, I, I live in a town called New Hope and opened it up for the town. And people came over and, you know, took pictures of the cup. The guys from Jack's came over, things like that. And then, again, just had some private events with it after with friends and family. And the the outpouring of the fan support in St. Louis, what did that mean to you for a team that was really, at the end of 2018, was last place and going nowhere, and now you're the Stanley Cup champions? Well, I mean, our fans have been behind for a long time. I mean, they've had great fan support in that town for a number of years, and including this year, too, when we weren't doing very well and when we won. Uh, like I said to the fans, uh, they, they were great, did a great job of supporting the team um, for a number of years, not only this year. And, uh, again, it just you feel real happy for the town itself and the fans and everybody that's involved uh, that was part of that cup. You know, you, you think of St. Louis, and you think of it as a baseball town, not a hockey town. That's why the fans have supported, the rabid fans, the loyal fans have supported the Blues for years. What does this Stanley Cup do in your mind to change the equation, the perception of St. Louis as a baseball town first? Um, I'm, I know it's a good, it's a great baseball town for sure, and it should be. They got, I don't know, eleven or twelve championships. It's very, uh, very good accomplishment for sure. But I think that um, it's almost just as much as a hockey town, as far as I'm concerned. Even before we won the cup, I thought that again we had great support from our fans. You know, just being out in the public and everything, you can just see, you know, the people and how much they like hockey and support it. But it's even going to be more now with a cup on their uh, side. So, <laughs> I mean, I think, it's, you know, I get it. St. Louis is a baseball town, I agree. But it's very much so a hockey town, too. Lastly, heading into camp, do you have to change anything once you are the reigning Stanley Cup champions? Well, there's a lot you got to change. Um, you got a lot of the same guys coming back, if not pretty much the same team but you know you got to be prepared you can't live in the past i think we got to do a good job of getting our players to move on from winning the cup uh, yeah it's always going to be there it's uh something that'll never be taken away from you but you got to move on from it you got to get prepared for the next season and that starts in training camp and it starts with us coaches getting our guys ready to go and really dialing them in not only physically but mentally it's been a short season uh short off season for our guys so it's important that they get moving again and get skating, get working, get, get in shape. They'll be in shape, but get in um, hockey shape, uh, which is obviously different. And the other thing is on the mental side of things, really getting them dialed into uh, looking, looking forward, not the past, because it can be very uh, dangerous thinking about the past a little bit too much. You won the cup, and it's a great accomplishment, but, you know, we got work to do. And, again, you know, this league is so tough, you got to be prepared. I remember 
unfortunately for the Rangers, they had to wait because of a lockout. Um, but there was also a little bit of that um, banner day you know, let down after the banners raised. And that's a very difficult day because there's so much emotion, so much pride, and then you have to go out and play a game. How much are you looking forward to actually standing you know, at the arena watching the Stanley Cup banner go up? Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a great thing for sure. Uh, but like you said, once it's up there and it's all done, let's go. We've got to play. All right, Coach, we really appreciate it. We know how busy an off-season of a Stanley Cup champion coach is. We really appreciate you taking out the time to speak with us tonight about an amazing, memorable season for the fans of St. Louis and the fans of the National Hockey League. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank Take you care. so much. Craig Berube, head coach of the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues.